Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. So good to see you today. Hope that you've had a great weekend, and uh, let's get right into 2 Corinthians chapter 8 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, many a times I'll preach a message that um, maybe some um, are blessed by it, others um, may walk away and say, boy, I don't know if I really needed that. I might preach a message on salvation, and I know this, many times in this church, if I preach a message on salvation, the majority, if not most that are in this room would walk away saying, I'm saved. Why would we preach a message on salvation? One is to encourage us and um, remind us of what Jesus Christ did for us so that we live for Christ after you are saved. But we always hope there's someone here that uh, may be a guest or someone that you brought to church that needs to hear the gospel. And um, they hear the gospel and they're saved. Not too many places in this world anymore are giving the gospel out. Matter of fact, I read an article this past week. They took a thousand pastors out west in Colorado. Matter of fact, there was an association there, and they took a thousand pastors. And one third of the pastors said that it's not through salvation in Jesus Christ you get to heaven, but good works does matter in order for you to get to heaven. A third of pastors said that. A third of pastors also said that the Bible is not infallible. And um, that um, uh, it's not, it's some of them are, some of this is just stories, um, good principles, but it's not an infallible book. And so churches are struggling. Churches are struggling because the men that are supposed to be pastoring and shepherding the churches, they're struggling. And um, so uh, that has nothing to do with the message today. That was just something I wanted to share with you uh, today. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, we're going to talk about something that everybody loves messages preached on. Giving. Giving. Now, you weren't too enthusiastic there. This is the type, these are the type of messages, church, that you will either leave encouraged or convicted. But I pray that you either leave encouraged or convicted. We're going to talk today about the subject of grace giving. There's much conversation. There's much talk. Well, tithing, you don't find tithing in the New Testament. You find grace. We are under grace. And if you were in the law and you had to require to give 10% under the law, how much more would you give under grace? And, uh, you know, what, what, what worries me is when we struggle and we, we argue and we grudgedly give or not give, isn't it something, one of the things that cause a lot of controversy in a church is the area of giving to the Lord? When the Bible teaches much about grace giving and also about giving with a joyful heart. And uh, we're going to look at this subject today. How many of you are glad you came to church after I told you the subject matter today? How many of you are really glad that you are here today? Say amen. amen. All right, great. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8 and we're going to be throughout this chapter, even into chapter number nine, some 
uh, here today as well. But Bible is speaking, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's speaking of the Macedonians, example that they have of giving. Now, the Macedonians were, were poor. They were suffering great persecution. And so to understand the backstory and the, the example of Macedonians is one, a wonderful example because they weren't rich and having so much. And because they were so rich and because they were thriving so much, they were just tipping and giving things to uh, giving to the Lord and giving to other saints. They were poor. They hadn't always been that way, but because they were believing, believing Christians, because they were now following the Lord Jesus Christ, they were suffering great persecution. Now, I want you to remember, in these days, back in the early New Testament church, many were, were um, expelled from their families if they were becoming believers in Christ. And, and it was all family businesses, and people were involved in what the family was involved in. And if they became a believer in Christ, and even in some areas of, this, of our world today, it's the same way. If a person believes, becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, their family wants nothing to do with them. And now what do they do if they can't get a job and they can't have a family and, and there's so much persecution now that they endure? And this is what the Macedonians were going through. They were going through great persecution, yet Paul is going to use them as an example of grace giving. He says this in verse number one of chapter eight of 2 Corinthians, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, he's speaking of their uh, trials that they went through, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Speaking of their giving. For to their power I bear record, Jay, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Now, we'll be throughout these couple chapters here throughout this message today, but I want to challenge our church with this, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's heavy on my heart, um, just seems like it's heavy more and more as we're living in this generation, and I believe this, that Jesus Christ is going to come back in our generation. I truly believe that. And I believe that we ought to believe that and we ought to live that way, that Jesus Christ is coming again. I just finished on our Wednesday evening, fin I finished a series in 2 Timothy, and we got to chapter number 3, and Paul says to Timothy that in, in uh, uh, the end times, perilous times are going to come. And he listed several verses listed of what those perilous times are going to look like, and I'll tell you, it was almost like Paul was looking into 2022 in writing what the conditions of the world were going to be like when he warned Timothy that perilous times were going to come. And he, and he commanded Timothy in chapter number four, saying this is what's going to happen. Great persecution is going to come. Great affliction is going to come. He said this, one of, the, one, of the, one of the things that you're going to know that you're living a godly life is that you're going to suffer persecution. He said this in chapter four, preach the word. Preach the word. He was challenging Timothy to continue to live for Christ no matter what the circumstances of the world were. Matter of fact, he gave Timothy in chapter 4 this impression of this, that as the world gets worse, he said that men are going to wax worse and worse, that we are to live a more righteous life for Jesus Christ. We are the light and the salt of this world. 
This is where the truth comes from. We're not getting truth in society anymore. Matter of fact, society says this, truth is whatever you want it to be. And we believe this, that the word of God is our source of truth. And I want to prepare our church, and I want our church to be strong, because I do believe this, if we are living in perilous times, and I believe we are, then at some point we are going to suffer great persecution. And I desire for our church to remain strong during persecution. Would you be here today if it was illegal for us to gather? Would I still preach the gospel if it was illegal for us to preach? I will say this to you. If you're not preaching and giving the gospel when it's legal, you're not going to do it when it's illegal. If gathering is important to you now, it's not going to be important to you when it's persecution comes. And so I want our hearts to be prepared. Our church should always be about magnifying Jesus through worship and through the Word of God. Everything that we do, everything that we do is to worship our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's all done through the Word of God. We then should also, secondly, be moving believers in Jesus toward maturity and toward ministry. We should be maturing as believers, not staying stagnant of where we were when we first became a believer, but constantly maturing. Nobody comes to a place where they arrive. We're always growing in our knowledge and understanding and our maturity as believers. And we're also growing in ministry. I believe this church, every single person here ought to have a ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. You should be doing something. Not everyone can do the same thing, and that's the wonderful thing about a church, but everybody can be doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, we should be making Jesus known to our neighbors and to the nations. We should be involved in the Great Commission, the, the proclaiming and preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our community and throughout our world. And we have... We are here together today. We gather today so that these three things can exist. That's why we gather today, for no other reason. And if we're not obedient to the Great Commission, we are not doing God's will. We're not. If we're not proclaiming, God did not put you and save you and place you and leave you here upon this earth so that we could just be involved in earthly things. God has you here as a believer and a child of God to proclaim His grace, proclaim His gospel, proclaim there is one way to heaven and is only through Jesus Christ. And I make this statement today, strong churches reach the world for, for Christ. Strong churches are about the Great Commission. Strong churches are about the Bible. And so I want to talk to you today about this subject of grace giving. In 2 Corinthians 8, and, uh, verses 1 through 2, which we read today, he says, Moreover, brethren, let me read these two verses again. Moreover, brethren... We do to you wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trials of affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. I want to talk to us first today about our responsibility in grace giving. Every single person here in this room has a responsibility in this area of grace giving. Grace giving is not, is not eliminated because of poverty. 
Some believe this, if I don't have anything, then I'm not responsible. But the Bible doesn't tell us this. Poverty doesn't dictate someone involved in grace giving or not. The Macedonian church, as I said earlier, they were very poor. Paul is even saying this. Great affliction has come. Deep poverty has come upon them. They have hit rock bottom when it comes to their financial situation. They had been under great persecution, but they continued to give And they not only continue to give, they continue to give with great joy, even though they didn't have much. They gave with great joy. They proved God could trust them. When you give with joy, when you give under this this understanding of grace giving, what you're doing, you're, you're proving to God, God, you can trust me. I'm sure everyone at some point in their life, they've dreamed of what I would do if I ever got a lot of money. And um, uh, I don't know how any me and my family doesn't come from any wealth, so I know it's not going to be handed down. And, and uh, uh, I don't get involved in, in the lottery, so those that do here in our church need to maybe give me a winning ticket or something. The only way that I would ever uh, win something, um, uh, I don't encourage you to be involved in the lottery. But tithe if you do. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I've w- wondered often, and, and this is what you, you realize when you finally come to the realization is this. If you're not giving to God with what you have, you're not going to give to God if you have more. Sometimes I'll think back and I'll, I'll, I'll say to my wife every so often, how did we ever make it when we first got married? How many of you remember when you first maybe first got married and first started having kids when you were young and you were like just scraping by, like clipping coupons? My wife used to be the coupon queen. We would, I would watch her, then she got in trouble for stealing, but, but she would take the coupons out of all the other newspapers and put them all in hers. Her Sunday paper was that thick, bringing it to the register just so she could have all these coupons. We were poor. Well, I'm just kidding about that as well. So I'm kidding about gambling, and I'm kidding about my wife stealing today. But we, I remember those days. But one of the things I can, I, can, I can say to you as a church, it didn't matter if we were making $10,000 or $50,000. Our family, for the last 25, 23 years and before that, but the last 23 years of our marriage, we have always tithed and always given to the Lord. We've never missed. And I'm not saying that today to brag in any way. I'm saying that today is because I'm going to be preaching today a message that it is in my heart that we've lived. We've lived. And I understand. I've told you this before. I, re- I, re- I remember when my son, my wife, was we, when we first got married, she was working, and then we had our son, and we decided that she uh, was going to stay home. And, and I remember pushing a cart. It was late at night, and I remember just in tears pushing a cart through the store. My wife said Jacob needed food and, and uh, baby food, and we're pushing, I'm pushing this cart through the store, and I know I did not have the money to buy my own son food. I remember being at that place. I remember wondering in, uh, uh, how, are, how are ends going to meet. And so as we speak about this topic today, and many in this room, I know you would understand and you've been there as well. Maybe some are even there today. You can't outgive God. And you can't, you can't be right with God if you're not honest with God. 
And it doesn't matter the person's poverty. Poverty is not a reason or not a reason to or a reason not to give. They proved that God could trust them even when things were difficult in their life. If you can't learn to give with a little, why would God trust us with much? That's a principle that we would find out in the Bible where much is given, much is required. What we find in this church of Macedonia is this, that all gave something. I've said this to our church so often. You know, we'll, people will say this, all a church needs is a, is a few millionaires. I heard a church here in our own area, the pastor's goal was to get several millionaires into his church. And they thought if they could get several millionaires into his church, then the church could do more. Church, God doesn't need millionaires. He needs obedience. He needs obedience. We should not depend upon one or two families to do everything that God wants to do through our church. What everyone does is everyone participates at the level that they can participate, and God blesses obedience, and through that blessing, God is glorified. So I want you to see in verse number 3, Paul says this, chapter 8, verse number 3, Paul says, for to their power... I bear record, Jay, and beyond their power, they will, they willingly, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty with which we would receive a gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. I want to go back to verse number three. The Bible says they were willing of themselves. Would you, would you mark this down someplace in your mind? Grace giving is not energized by pressure. It's not, it's not, it's something that is willingly done. The, the, the Macedonians, they begged Paul to take this gift to the saints to be a blessing. I don't believe that a pastor should ever have to manipulate, manipulate people to give. We, we don't do fundraisers. And one of the things we don't talk a lot about, matter of fact, I had someone say to me not, not long ago, he said, uh, uh, Pastor Ranz, I don't think you speak enough of giving. I said, I, 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 I'm, I'll listen to what you have to say. He said, I think you ought to preach more on giving. And I said to the fellow, I said, why, are you not giving? He said, oh, no, I give. I said, then why do you think I need to preach more on giving? Give me your sins, and I'll preach more on those. I, I don't believe that it's my responsibility to manipulate and put pressure on the church to give. You don't find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This was something that people willingly did. We, we don't in our church. We don't make it. We put buckets out. We don't try to, try to energize a lot of people. We don't try to go and manipulate people to give. I believe this. Grace giving is something that you choose to do because you want to be, be obedient to the Lord, not because you're guilted into doing it. We teach, we teach biblically. And then I believe this. We let the Holy Spirit do the work. I believe the same thing is true here. As we look at the passage of Scripture here today, what I should do, like I do in any other passage of Scripture, is teach biblically what the Bible says, and then it's your responsibility to say, all right, Lord, am I honest before you? No matter, no matter what the topic is, that's what we ought to do. Biblically present it to the church, show the church in context what the Bible is saying, and then the church says, Lord, I want to be obedient. And everyone should ask that question today. Lord, am I obedient in this area of grace giving? 
And so it's not energized by pressure. Luke chapter 12, verse number 34, uh, the Bible says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. People give to where their heart is. People give. I watched a little bit last night, and I thought today, today should be a good day in church because Michigan won and Ohio State won. Right? I thought today's, and they didn't play each other. So there's great unity in the church in Northwest Ohio today. Um, and all the Michigan fans are sleeping right now while I'm preaching because it was such a late game. But, but there should be great. And I thought last night, how much, how much, as I watched some of those games, I thought, how much money did people willfully and joyfully give? I, I watched the Michigan game and all in the sections you would see when they were panned out, yellow and and uh, or maize or you know that you could just see their colors and i'm thinking there was a lot of money that was spent for people to put a, a jersey on or a t-shirt on or a hat on or uh, just think of of the joy and the cheering that went on people they love their college football don't they how many of you love college football <laughs> everyone's going yeah where's he going with this before i raise my hand I'm not scolding you about that. I just want to show a principle. We spend money where our heart is. I had someone call me yesterday. Hey, uh, Pastor, you want to go to the Michigan game last night? And I said, it's going to start when I'm going to bed. No. I got four tickets. Someone I know has season tickets, and I want you to go. And, And people will spend money. They're loving it. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. People buy their favorite car. They live in their favorite house. They spend money on their, they go to their favorite restaurant. They, they like certain things. They spend money where their heart is. And I'm wondering today, is your treasure in the things of God? If it is, then you won't have to be manipulated. You won't have to be enticed. You will give to the things of the Lord if that's where your heart is. I want you to write this down. Look with me in verse number seven. Therefore, as ye uh, abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace, or the speaking of giving, this grace also. Would you write this down? Giving, giving is not excused by performance. Giving is not excused by performance. Nothing you can do excuses you from this grace giving. Look again what Paul says. Therefore, you abound in this thing, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in diligence. You might be involved in things. These that sang up here today, they're not excused from grace giving because they use their talent of, of singing. The nursery work, well, maybe we ought to let the nursery workers get away with that. But the, the children's workers and nursery workers and Sunday school teachers, they're not, and they don't, they're not excluded, what Paul's saying in verse number seven, they're not excluded from this grace giving because they're working. Listen to me today, as the pastor of this church, I tithe every single month I give. I'm not excluded because I pastor this church. Matter of fact, I would hope this. If I didn't tithe, I would hope that it would be brought up before our deacons and our deacons would approach me on that. No one is excluded because they're doing something else. That's what Paul is saying in verse number 7. Grace giving is not excused by performance. Your service doesn't excuse you from giving. 
Would you write this down in your heart? As, as we look at verse number eight, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Would you write this down someplace? Grace giving is not enforced by power. Look again what Paul says, I speak not by commandment. Paul wants us to love Jesus Christ and not follow Jesus Christ. In his example, Jesus was rich. He was, he was, he was creator of this universe. He was rich, yet he became poor. He became a man so that you and I could be redeemed back to God. Paul wants them to love Jesus Christ and to allow that to motivate them in this area of giving. Not because it's a commandment. Not because somebody says you have to. You know what we don't do for any of our employees? Our, we have 50, 50 or so employees from preschool to the academy to our church uh, here on this property. We don't automatically just take a certain amount of money out of their paycheck like the government does. You know why? Because they ought to give with joy, not because you have to. No, nowhere should the, church, should the church force anyone to give. Paul is saying, this is not a commandment. I'm not saying this and forcing it by power. This ought to be something that you willingly do. It's not because you have to. It's because you want to. It's not because you're forced to. It's because you see the example that Jesus did. He gave himself so that you could have riches in heaven. And that's why we ought to follow this example of grace giving. Would you say amen there, church? Amen. Especially on messages like this, just help me to know you're still with me today. The person who gives in the one who has been, is, is the one who has been captured by Calvary. When you really truly see what Jesus Christ did for you on Calvary, how much he gave how much he gave, it, 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 it ought to motivate you to want to give because of Calvary. We give because of Calvary's love. You know, isn't it something that God is just simply asking us to give so that his word could go forth, so that Jesus Christ can be proclaimed, and he modeled that behavior for us. Christianity is the one religion, if I could say it this way, that... that um, you don't have to do something to merit favor with God. God did something to show his love for you. Would you write this down? Number two, I, I, I'm in point number two. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verse number 11. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. And so... First, first, I wanted to just talk to you about the responsibility in grace giving. Secondly, I want to talk to you about the operation of grace giving, how it works, how it functions. And, and, and I, I, like, I like what he says here. Um, and, and some of you think Nike came up with this, but Paul did. Do it. Just do it. That's what Paul says. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. 
He, you know what he says when it comes to the operation of grace giving? Just do it. This is, what, this is what we're supposed to do. Here's an example of a church that has done it. This is why they've done it, because of Calvary's love. Now, now he says to the Corinthian church, follow this example and give. Give because of what Christ has done for you. Many talk about they, what they would give if they had more. And Paul is saying, just give. And I would say this to every single child of God. Decide today that I am going to give with joy so that Jesus Christ can be preached. And just do it. Just simply make it a part of our life. When I budget, and I believe that having a budget is good stewardship, and, 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 and everyone should always have a good budget. You shouldn't be living outside of your means. But I don't, in my, our, our, the Rand's home, we don't just uh, write up all the bills and then wait till, wait till uh, um, you know, everything what's left over. Well, can we afford to give? No, what we always do is we always give first. Always. Write that check out. You say, why don't you use the app? Because the app costs money. So I, uh, I want every penny to go to Jesus. I still write a check. The one check I write out every month is to, to the church. The only check I write is to the church. But I write that check out before we do anything else. We write that out. You know why? Because I want God to have my first And when I simply have this pattern that this is what we do, now let me, I'll be honest with you, there's been times I'm writing that out and I'm thinking to myself, oh my, I would rather God get what he wants than anything else. And if I'm overstretched and I'm living without my, uh, outside of my means, that is what I need to fix, not what God requires. What are you going to do with what you have? Look with me in verse number 11. He says, now therefore perform the doing of it. Do it. That, there, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. You know what he's simply saying? You give out of what you have. Now, I, I want to help everyone in the, the, the room with this. You don't give what you don't have. You don't say, all right, no, no, I love Jesus. I'm just going to write all of my paycheck to the Lord this month. And who cares what the bank thinks? It's not, that's not what he's even saying. You give out of what you have. You're not giving to impress God. You're giving out of obedience and love for the Lord. Isn't it a wonderful thing about God? God doesn't require that you give everything that you have. He's not saying live, live, live lowly and live on the streets and live without as long as you give everything to the Lord. That's not what God is saying. Give, give what you have. Look with me in verse number 12. The Bible says, For if there be first a willing mind, if it is accepted according to that that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. What's he saying? You give what you have. It isn't so that, that some people have to give so much more and others don't have to give a, a, a less. It's, it's just give what you have. 
By, by, but by in equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want and their abundance also may be a supply for your want that there may be equality. As it is written, he that hath gathered much hath nothing over and he that hath gathered little had no lack. You're required to give what you have. Give it out of what God has given you. Look, go with me to just a few pages over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 in verse number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 1. And this is what Paul tells the church in his first epistle to, the, to Corinth. He says this, now concerning the collection for the saints. 1 Corinthians 16, 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. You know what Paul said to the church in Corinth in the first epistle? He says, every day you come as you come to worship, whatever God's prospered you with, give. Whatever God's given you. However God has blessed you that week, come with an offering um, of obedience to the Lord. They're not fighting over, is that gross or net? It's whatever God's blessed you with. Uh, if somebody, you can say this is extreme, if you will. This is just how I interpret this verse and how I, what I do. If somebody gives me a gift card, I always give the Lord a portion of that. You say, well, how do you do that? I just tithe off of that. Somebody gives me a gift. I was walking out of church last week and somebody shook my hand and they put a $50 bill in my hand. I think you ought to do more of that, church. I just kidding. I didn't realize what they did. Uh, I just, I, later on, I got in my car after the second service, leaving, I took it out and it was a $50 bill. God got 10% of that. Well, it didn't come in my paycheck. No, that was a gift that I was blessed with and so guess what I'm going to do with that gift? I'm going to give God what belongs to him. You see, when we get down to the nitty gritty, like so, so down to the, to the penny, what's God, we're not doing with a joyful heart. When that person gave me that, 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 that uh, $50 bill last week, when I got that, I was so joyful. I said to my wife, I called her, I said, I'm taking you out to dinner tonight. She said, where are you getting the money? I said, somebody gave me. I was so happy to share that with my wife. Why wouldn't I be happy to give to the Lord? Ought to do it with joy. In verse number 13, what Paul is saying as well, he says, for I mean not that other, other men be eased and ye be burdened. Equal sacrifice, it might not be equal amounts. I'm reminded of Jesus when he was at the temple there in Matthew chapter 12, verses 41 and 42. He said of that widow, she came in and just put those two mites in the offering plate. And he said this of that widow, she gave more than anyone else. Now, he wasn't speaking of amount. Because those that were rich came by and they placed something in that, that, that bucket or however they gave there at the temple at that time. They were giving, but they weren't. there was no sacrifice that was there. There was no joy that was there. It was just simply out of, out of, out of duty and, and place. And then, but that widow, she gave all that she had. She only had two mites. And she put those two mites with joy in that, that place at the temple. And Jesus said this, she gave more than all. 
There are some today that are going to place a less amount in those buckets or give online, however you choose to give. It may be a less amount, but it may be more in God's eyes than someone that just gives a fraction of what they're supposed to give, even though the amount might be more. You see, God's not saying how much you give in the amount causes you to be important in the church or important in the work. And, 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 and it's not the amount, it's your heart comes down to your heart the lord measured your what measures your gift by what you have the bible isn't 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 going to uh isn't opposed to richness but it is opposed to greed all through the Bible, we speak of, of those Abraham had riches. And, 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 and many a times throughout the Bible, and this is why some prosperity gospel preachers preach the wrong message, and they say, you know, God, if you give, God's going to bless you. And look at all these examples. Listen to me. God has blessed many. But why has he blessed you? He blessed you so that you could bless him. And, and this is the type of message you're not going to get in a prosperity gospel preaching. If you're only going to give so that you get something back, you're not giving with the right heart. And how dare I say to God, God, I'm going to give, and I'm hoping I get something back in exchange. Listen to me, when I give on, on Christmas morning to my children, I know I'm not getting in, uh, 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 more back than what I gave. I'm going to give to those children because I, my children and my wife, because I love them. You know what I'm going to get? I'm going to get a pair of socks that don't fit. I got a cup, a, a cup that's still sitting in my dresser. I get, I get things, but, but I'm not giving because I can't wait for them to give me back more than what I'm giving. That could be a terrible way for us to give to the Lord, expecting God to come back and give me more because I gave to him. Listen to me, because of what Jesus Christ did for me, I owe him everything anyways. And I want to I get through this. My time, I'm coming down to the time here, but I want to get to this because I believe this is an important part of the church. Paul says in verse number 16, he says, but thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own according, he went unto you. So he took this gift. Titus took this gift to them. And we have sent with him the brother who's praising the gospel throughout all the churches. And so we find in verse number 16 down through verse number 18 that this gift that was received from Macedonia and given to the churches as this grace-giving offering, it was managed. And I want you to see this. It was managed by prudence. Who handled this money? Well, Titus was one that came in, and there's another brother, we don't know his name, but they handled this, and, um, and Titus, Titus taking this had great compassion. He had earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. And, and I want you to, to write this down. Who should handle? Because the, I, I want the church to know this, and, I, and, I, and I, 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 I'm sure this goes without saying, but in the day and age that we're living in, and, and I think it, it deserves to be said, when you give to the church, you are not giving to the pastor or, or the staff of the church. I get a paycheck that the deacons voted on when I came here seven years ago next week. And, and if they choose to give me a raise, then they choose to give me a raise. 
For the first five years, they chose not to. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. They tried and I denied it. I'm kidding. I just always say that to them. But it doesn't go into any account that I have access to. I don't touch the buckets, and no staff member does. No pastoral staff member is going to go and count the money. I couldn't, and none of the pastoral staff members could get into the safe where the offerings kept. If I went to our bank today, they would know who I am. Well, they might not know, but if I told them my name, they would know I'm the pastor. But if I said to them, hey, I would like to withdraw money, they would look at me like I have 10 heads. You know why? Because I'm not a signer. There's no way for me to get anything from the church that doesn't belong to me, only through the paycheck. That's it. You say, well, you didn't need to say that. Sometimes you do. I want people to understand that it is it one of the areas that we should have prudence in is the handling of God's money. We should. When people give, they should know that it is being listen, there is no three million dollar jet out back of the church here. I promise you. I'd like there to be one, but there's not. We should have people with compassion that handle it. We, we should have people, according to verse number 19, and, and not they only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace or with this giving, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. You know what? The also, secondly, people who are consecrated with the glory of God. As our deacons in our advisory board sit every month and they would review the finances of the church and make sure things are said and how we do things here is simply toward the end of the year, our advisory board, our deacons come together, they, they, we propose a budget to them, they accept that budget, it goes to our church uh, the first Sunday night of, of January every year, we have a business meeting and then at that business meeting our church then allow uh, votes to accept that budget, you know what we do, we Stay within that budget. And if something else, like this past month, uh, uh, Paul Hammerker came and said, I've got bad news. I said, what kind of bad news you got? He said, we have like six or seven heating and air conditioning units in this building that need to be replaced or fixed. And I'm thinking, well, it only costs, you know, five, six hundred to get somebody out to your home. I said, what are you talking? He says, it's almost $34,000. I said, Paul, all at once? So what do we do? We take that need before our church board and we say, here's a, here's a great need that has to be done. And those men with, men with compassion, with, with great concern so that God receives the glory, make decisions then that need to be done for the church. But these are godly men. I, I want you to know this church. I don't say this enough, but I want you to know those men that serve on our advisory board and our deacon board, they are godly men that love the Lord, that have a compassion for the Word of God. They're concentrated, consecrated men, and they are men of great character. Look with me in verse number 20. Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in the abundance which is administrated by us. You know what he's saying? These men have character. They didn't take anything along the way. 
Providing for honest things, verse number 21, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. They are men that handle this, that deal with this. These are men of great character. They have integrity. They have an honesty. It's important. Look at me in verse number 24. The Bible says, And we have sent with them our brothers, whom we have oftentimes provided diligence in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow, fellow helper concerning you, or our brethren be inquired of, they are the messengers of the church and the glory of Christ. He says they are diligent in many things. They are competent. And those that handle the affairs of the church ought to be men of compassion, ought to be men of consecration, ought to be men of character, and they ought to be men of competency. When I came to our church seven years ago, again, next, next week will be seven years, we had $2.55 million of debt. And we have godly men on our church board. And we have seen in the last seven years that come down to about 1.2. Over half of it has been paid in seven years. There's not frivolous things that are done. Boy, they, they, they take great diligence and they, take, they, 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 they see that this belongs to the, the Lord and as they're caring then and distributing this for the needs of the church, there's great care. There's great compassion. We had uh, you, our church, since this past March, last couple marches, our missions emphasis month. One of the great benefits of that is our missions giving has, has gone up. And, and so we've been able to give more to missions. And we had uh, uh, last our last deacons meeting and advisory board meeting, um, we talked about one of our missionaries. And he said, let's let's increase that. And, and it was just with great joy. They all agreed this man is doing a great work for the Lord and churches are being started and, and souls are being saved and let's have a great compassion. This is what it's about. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ going across this world. I'm so glad our church, the Bravos were uh, uh, here a couple weeks back and, and uh, in our Christmas offering two years ago, the church gave an abundance amount of money and a lot of money was given so they could buy property to build a church there and the gospel of Jesus Christ go forth. I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful that we have a church that loves the Lord and wants to get the gospel out and I thank God that we have men in our church that serve on our advisory board and our deacon board that are men of character and men of compassion that equally want to see the gospel of Jesus Christ go. That's the goal. Listen to me, church, we don't want to go to heaven with money sitting in our missions account because we wanted to make money off of it instead of giving it so the work of God go out. I said that to our board last week. I said, guys, the last thing I want to do is, is stand for the Lord. And the Lord say, boy, I blessed you with people giving. Why didn't you do something with it? Well, we were getting good interest on that. No bank will give us better interest than God will give us when we give it to him. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. 
Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.